This is a sex pot comedy production. time of the year. Are you feeling happy? I mean, you know, I'm not not happy. No, I'm just a little just tiny bit stressed. Just, you know, the anxiety level is is it's pretty up there, but mm-hmm. we're I'm hanging in. Yeah, we're at, we're we're, uh, we're hanging in there. Must Hol- be the holidays. Fucking holidays. Oh my god, <laughs> you guys everywhere. Like everything is so beautiful. Like you walk in Larimer Square, which for those of you who aren't from Denver is a the street in downtown Denver and it's like beautifully decorated and merry. It's darling. Oh, and I'm stressed as fuck. Hell yeah. So, uh, you know, let's... I binge read A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens in like two days. And also listen to Neil Gaiman uh, audio record it. Yeah. Or, I guess he did a live show, actually. Yes, it seemed like it was even a podcast with, yeah, recording. With, at the New York Public Library. Which that library is amazing. Well, the woman who like prefaced his podcast episode was just so interesting about all like the cool shit that yes. she saw. Yes, um, yes. I was like, more of her, please. Um, but... but as it is that time of year, um, we decided to go for the most iconic holiday tale, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. It's a Christmas carol. You cannot avoid it. No. Mm-mm. And uh, yeah, this is required readcast holiday edition. I'm Lauren Ballman. I'm Jessica Austin. Thank you for joining us in our holiday despair cheer. <laughs> no, we're, we're so stressed, but also everything's so pretty. I know. It's a very, it's very strange this time of year. Um, I just want to shout out to any human being who has children. And oh, man. How do you even do it? You parents, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to say that it's pretty obvious that you really don't care for these elves on shelves. Um, and, <laughs> and I just want to put it out there. You don't have to do it. Okay. You don't have to. No, our our Facebook feeds are just full of like disgruntled elf shelf parents. Yeah, yeah. Just just a tip for next year. You you don't have to. You don't have to. Save yourself that stress. Say the elf ran away. Mm-hmm. Take that off your plate. Say the elf died, and you can teach them an important lesson about death. Mm-hmm. And then and late this at is night, why Jess and I are not parents. <laughs> no, and this is why we're doing a Christmas Carol, a story that involves fucking ghosts. Yeah, it's basically a ghost story masqueraded as a Christmas story. If I had a kid and I told them that the elf on the shelf died, then I would paint the elf in like glow-in-the-dark paint and then sneak into their bedroom and totally do this. I'd be like, Constantine, you shouldn't have shit your pants at kindergarten. <laughs> Sorry, my fake hypothetical child is named Constantine. Or, or Arrow, right? And my, yeah, my daughter's Arrow. <laughs> See, I have kids. I, I remember. I remember your fake children's names. I'm oh. a good friend. <laughs> Arrow's very into Irish dance right now. Oh. <laughs> so she'd get an Irish elf. Yeah, she would get an Irish elf. Uh, no, Lauren and I have no kids, but we have dogs. And we both have Harry Potter advent calendars, which is basically the next best thing. It is the only thing that gets me out of bed most mornings right mm-hmm. now. Is it's like, what Harry Potter advent calendar can I get? Yeah, attention lit nerds. If you didn't get this this year get one for next year because it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I got mine from GameStop and it was like mm-hmm. 40 bucks and on Amazon it's like 150 or something ridiculous. Little tiny Funko uh, Harry Potter characters that are just adorable as hell. This is not an ad for Funko. It, it really isn't. They haven't given us anything. But they that's 24 little tiny Harry Potter Funkos and they're so great. And our friend Jamie Ann has one too. Um, yes, hey Jamie Ann. Hey Jamie Ann. This yes. is really fun seeing all your Funko Pops. Um, 
So those are the things that are bringing us joy this Christmas. Um, yes. Thoughts of murdering elves on shelves and Harry Potter advent calendars. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> unlike our boy Ebenezer Scrooge, who has joy in nothing but rolling around in money. And thinks Christmas is a humbug. Bah. And, you know, I can't blame him entirely. <laughs> so anyway, we're doing A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, which is a novella. Yes, and uh, the first edition came out in 1843. Um, fun fact, this book has never been out of print since then. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I read that. Um, and actually in 1844, the following year, it was illicitly copied. And so Dickens took legal action, and it ended up bankrupting the publisher who faux-copied his book. So oh. take that. That's why you don't um, steal people's shit. Exactly. But, yeah, it's never been out of print. Oh, congratulations. There were 13 editions in its first year. Dang. So that's how popular this story is. So, anyway, A Christmas Carol in prose. Being a ghost story of Christmas is the full title. <laughs> Commonly known as A Christmas Carol is a novella by Charles Dickens, first published in London by Chapman and Hall in 1843, as Lauren said, and illustrated by John Leach. Uh, if any of you have seen that like iconic picture of the Fezziwig couple. Oh my gosh. They're both just like round as hell and just having the best time. Um, they kind of remind me of like the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride characters. Yes, yes. There's got to be a connection. Toad, mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a Christmas Carol recounts the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, an elderly miser who is visited by the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. After their visit, Scrooge is transformed into a kinder, gentler man. And that was courtesy of Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. You can give them your money if you'd like. So my tweet-length summary is, it's a fucking Christmas Carol. <laughs> Hashtag, duh. Um, mine is, don't be a dick and you won't get ghosts for Christmas. Oh, that's, that's actually really good. Yeah. Uh, but what if you I guess you could say, don't Christmas? be a dick and you won't get uh, ghosts for Christmas. Uh, oh, I see what you did there. That was, that was dumb, There are going to be so, so many Dickens puns <laughs> over the next 45 to 50 to 60, possibly longer minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, written by Charles Dickens, um, who is so wildly popular. And I, I, so I had never read, actually read this until now, um, obviously, well, I know the story. It's one of those things that you just, you've, you just know, you know? You know the story. I think you, my first introduction to it was probably watching Mickey's Christmas Carol when I was a child, which is adorable. Which is adorable, and we'll kind of go into it further, uh, length further on in the podcast because there's so much to talk about about Mickey's Christmas Carol. I know. But I was really reminded how much I love Charles Dickens as an author and how much I love his prose. Well, he's just, he's so witty and I love that his author's voice is really, really prevalent in Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. um, I actually want to read a little snippet. So, you know, he begins with Jacob Marley is dead. Or yes, Marley it's, a, it's dead. a great opening line. Slam, like you're right in. You are in the scene. Marley was dead to begin with. There was no doubt whatever about that. Love it. And then, you know, we, that's something we hear a lot in renditions of the play, or it's kind of the beginning of A Christmas Carol. But that Dickens goes on about a page and a half later, and um, he writes... The mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point I started from. There is no doubt that Marley was dead. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am about to relate. <laughs> I love he's 
he's speaking in the first, uh, pre- or first person. Yes. Um, and he's like, all right, now here's why this is important. We don't get this bit. We don't get Dickens' voice when we see movie adaptations. Sometimes plays will have narration, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like this fun stuff is in there. Because he goes on... Um, If we were not perfectly convinced that Hamlet's father died before the play began, there would be nothing more remarkable in his taking a stroll at night, in an easterly wind, upon his own ramparts, than there would be in any other middle-aged gentleman rashly turning out after dark in a breezy spot, say St. Paul's churchyard, for instance, literally to astonish his son's weak mind. Like, I love that. He's like, I'm going to go off on a sidebar, because that's what his brain thought. And, um... Yeah, and I, I love these little, I mean, that's at the top of the book, but I then feel like throughout it, he has these nice little asides mm-hmm. like that, where it's like Dickens himself popping out for a second to check in with his reader. Um, and it's it's fun. It's fun, and you know, it reminds us of the fact, you know, when we're reading this novella, that Christmas Carol wasn't just a jolly holiday tale that he wrote yeah. for public happiness. It was a social commentary on poverty and the state of the poor in England. Yes. And he went on to, he, he, this was the first instance of an author then acting out their own book. He went on to perform this hundred plus times in his lifetime up until the year he died. And so he was essentially then the one man show of A Christmas Carol. So you could tell that that's how important this story was to him. That he was then personally taking it out and telling it to the people. He said he could easily have sat back and just like counted his money. Yes. He was doing great with this for sales. But no, he's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to connect and this message needs to be spread. And that's really, really cool. Yes. Um, There's discussion uh, among academics as to whether this was a fully secular story or if it's a Christian allegory. And I feel like the theme of generosity and love just is strictly secular. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's no mention in this of Jesus, is there? Or of no? I mean, this doesn't. This no. this goes with secular Christmas. Let's have a tree. Let's celebrate. Let's have parties. But which I find that that's actually a little remarkable about it, given the time that it was written and everything. Yeah, Victorian England. I mean, you were expected to go to church, but um, I don't find it particularly. Um, I don't either. Christian. But you know what I think is neat is, um, again from Wikipedia, A Christmas Carol captured the zeitgeist of the mid-Victorian revival of the Christmas holiday. So it's oh. like this time period, all of a sudden Christmas is changing. Less <clears throat> of a church service and um, more. there's more like modern Western themes in here mm-hmm. and uh, family I think gatherings. And that's kind of when, you know, getting a tree... Mm-hmm. for your home and became popular. Yeah, the world is changing. Christmas trees were becoming in fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was kind of a revolution of Christmas was the time when he wrote this. And he was a, um, you know, was influenced by his own youth because he had to work in a factory when he was a boy. Yeah. And, and that I, obviously shaped a lot of his writing. Um, his, wasn't his father, his father was imprisoned, wasn't he? I believe he was Really in a, young. When he when uh, Charles was very young, yeah, his father was committed to the Marshalsea, a debtors' prison in Southwark, London, and Dickens was age twelve at the time, and he had to sell his books, pawn his books, leave school, and work at a shoe blacking factory mm-hmm. at the age of twelve. At the age of twelve, so 
that's so important, um, not only the age, but the fact that he had come from a fairly well-to-do family mm-hmm. who didn't need to send their children to work in factories. You know, and those people tend to not pay attention to the lower classes, like, you know, the Freds of A Christmas Carol. While Fred is a generous, kind man and who gives, yes. he doesn't have to work in a factory. No. Um, he doesn't have to clerk like Bob Cratchit. So Dickens, somebody who was sort of in that social sphere of your Freds, of your Fezziwigs, of your Scrooges, maybe, maybe slightly less miserly, um, was thrust into different circumstances and forced to really be in somebody else's shoes, Mm -hmm. which were now his. It just gave me a whole new perspective on his work, learning that about his childhood, because Mm -hmm. I didn't really know that about him. And um, have you read... I I know for me, my first Dickens was uh, Tale of Two Cities in high school and then Great Expectations, but it's really been a while since... it's making me want to go back and keep reading him. He's just, he's so good. Well, I'm embarrassed to say this is, I think, the only Dickens I've read. Really? Isn't that nuts? Oh, you have to read Tale of Two Cities. No Tale of Two Cities. I want to read Great Expectations. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I haven't read any of those. Well, maybe, hey, maybe there will be more Dickens coming in in 2019 for a required recast. More Dick 2019. Hey. Hey. I mean, isn't that what we all want? I mean, really? Uh, Yikes. But, so uh, to get to the book itself, um, got the basic outline. What's really nice about this is it's divided into three staves, which Jessica, er, three, five, I can't count today, just, sorry. So I just want people to know that I just held up my hand with five fingers to remind Lauren it was five, and she called on me like a teacher, Jessica, <laughs> y'all, this is where my brain's at. Five staves, the book's divided into five staves, which uh, Jessica... So keenly pointed out, must be related to the carol theme of it all, well, because staves are a musical term. Yeah, well, I was like, what the fuck is a stave? And then you click on stave, thanks Wikipedia, and it tells you that is his staff. So yes. it's just, it's a musical term. Yep. Dickens was being hilarious by playing on carol and musical. And he really does have a, a very lovely wit about him that I enjoy. <laughs> um, and that's one of those things. But uh, it, it opens, the, the first of these, it's, it's opening on, um, it's Christmas Eve. December 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. From here on in, I shoot without a script. And Scrooge is counting money, as per usual. In his counting house, Scrooge and Marley. Um, but as we know from the opening sentence, Marley's dead. and he Definitely has, dead. Definitely dead. Deader than Hamlet's father. Dead as a doornail. Um, and he's got his clerk, Bob Cratchit, or Clark, if you're British, um, who's a father of way too many kids and works for Peanuts, because yeah. Scrooge doesn't want to give people money. Yep. And, um, you know, he's he's begrudgingly giving him Christmas Day off, basically because he has to, and is basically saying, well, this is your way to rob my pocket every year on December 25th. I know. It's like the social norm, because people were at least a little generous back then, but like not even on Christmas could Scrooge deal with it. No. And and then his good old nephew, Fred, who I just love, Fred comes over. It's like, hey, uncle, hey, Christmas tomorrow, you coming over for dinner? Hey. No. Oh, why not? No. (laughs) And won't even say Merry Christmas. Mm -mm. We'll just say good afternoon over and over. You know what's fun is this book popularized Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas was in the world. It wasn't totally um, 
uh, non-existent. He didn't invent Merry Christmas. Um, the, the first instance of it was in a letter in the 1830s or something. But this was the first, I think, published incident of it, and boom, popularized Merry Christmas. Um, so that's why it's popular. That's is cool. Isn't that cool? And Bah Humbug. Yes. That seems to make more sense. comes up right away in this in this chapter, in this stave, um, because he his response to Merry Christmas, his initial response is Bah Humbug. Bah, an expression of distaste, comma, humbug, which means <laughs> bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah. So Christmas is a bullshit. Christmas is a bullshit. It's basically he- what he's saying. Um, and then he's visited by some charitable gentlemen who are like, will you give to the poor? And, and he's like, like, listen, I just, I don't do that. Not going to do it. Um, are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? <laughs> because fucking send him there. And you're like, oh, screw. Yeah. And like, it, it was interesting. To, it was very interesting to just go back to the original source and read it because I feel like over time, Scrooge has become this monster in some respects like I don't I don't feel like that's the way I've seen him portrayed like at the Denver Center in the Denver Center production but I feel like sometimes there's this stereotype of Scrooge is just this yelly crazy man and he's not really he's just very like look this is the way I live my life I'm not giving out charity it's just not who I am um I don't like Christmas I don't like being merry let me just live my life. Okay, thanks. Yeah, he lives you know, in, in, in a bleak house. I mean, um, he's still a miserable, sad person, but I just feel like it's gotten, it can get very exaggerated that Scrooge is this like, bah, bah, yeah. Almost like a, like a hunchy sort of villain character. Yeah, and he's really just kind of a sad man. Yeah, he just wants to keep himself to himself mm-hmm. and have all the money. Yep. Um, which isn't a crime. Scrooge commits no crimes. No. He's just not morally kind. Yes. Um, so he sets off. You know, Bob Cratchit goes home. He tells the charitable gentleman and Fred to go fuck themselves. And, <laughs> and he's like, I'm going home now. I'm going home. Sets to a sad, sad, like you said, bleak house. Bleak house. And I, he just, you know, wanders through the foggy London streets. And Dickens does a lovely job mm-hmm. of really getting us the idea of what these streets look like and how solitary and sad and uh, foreboding his walk home is. And his... Uh, the room that he lives in used to be Marley's. Is he he moved into the space of a dead man? So that's also sad. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, there's 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 something very sad to me about um, his relationship. You could tell that that was his one relationship in life. Was his relationship not anything? You know, just his friend. I don't even know if you can call it friendship, but his partnership, his business partnership mm-hmm. with Jacob Marley was like the one long-term relationship he had. And he doesn't really talk about how he feels about that, but you can tell that, you know, it was a loss. Yeah, well, it, he was his person. Like yeah. you said, like they, I don't feel like they were buddies. They didn't go out drinking, but yeah. they shared a commonality. And it's he was, Marley was, or excuse, Scrooge was probably also Marley's person. Right. Because he's the one that Marley comes back to. I mean, even to the point where they say, you know, someone could walk into his storefront and call Scrooge Marley or call Marley Scrooge. It doesn't really matter what's the difference. Like, they're the, they're the same. Yep. So it's kind of sad to me the way that they lay that out. Yeah, and how extra lonely it was. Because at least when you have, you know, you share a sensibility with one human in the world, you at least have some camaraderie. But Scrooge is now all on his own, mm-hmm. and he's just sort of turning inward even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yeah, you know, this is an excuse for, or not an excuse. It's a story about a man who discovers that he needs to do good in order to save himself. But I feel like the self-salvation is not, it turns out not to be as selfish as you think. Like he, Marley saves him. Yeah. He really accomplishes his goal in this. Yes. Um, Uh, So, isn't that, and that's his first glimpse of Marley is when he gets to his front door. Yeah, so I want to read this little bit real quick. Um, So, Scrooge on the way way home takes his dinner uh, in his usual melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. Um, And I love this. He lived in a chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner, just like Lauren said, and this is still from the book. They were a gloomy suite of rooms in a lowering pile of building up a yard where it had so little business to be that one could scarcely help fancying it must have run there when it was a young house playing at hide and seek with other houses and forgotten the way out. Hmm. Like, what a cool image of this house that doesn't belong there because it got lost as a young house. Yeah. I love you, Dickens. You're so fun. Dickens, you're the tops, man. So he's walking up his dark, dark yard to his dark, dark house, and he's got this door knocker, and all of a sudden it becomes the face of his partner, Jacob Marley, which I am sorry, Lauren, but I cannot picture that door knocker without seeing Goofy. (laughs) I know! (laughs) Like, Mickey's Christmas Carol. (laughs) Jacob Marley is, is... Portrayed by Goofy. And and I know, that was in my head too. <laughs> like, I have seen this play um, so many times. And I cannot, even when it's an actor up there, I just am like, I oh, see gosh. <laughs> um, So he freaks out and he shakes his head and he goes inside. And he's like, that wasn't mine. I'm seeing things, whatever. So he goes upstairs and gets ready to go to bed, and he starts hearing change clunking from downstairs in the wine cellar. And I just love the imagery of putting on a night, a little nightcap. I'm sorry, it's just adorable. I think it's iconic. I think <laughs> yeah. if you have, if you do not have Scrooge in a nightcap, in a nightcap, forget it. That nightcap's important. So yeah, he's up in his room, kind of freaking out, and he's like, "It's nothing." And he hears the change going up the hall, and all of a sudden, whoa, bam! There Marley is, um, just with this pile of chains that he's dragging around. Um, and Scrooge is like, ah, fuck. <laughs> and he's convinced in his own sour old man witty way that it's indigestion or a bit of mustard or a bad porridge. Um, there's more gravy than the grave about you, he says, thinking this indigestion's making him hallucinate. Marley's like, fuck you, I'm real. And he does that thing where he like unties the kerchief around his head and his jaw falls yeah. on his chest. That's the one thing that theatrical adaptations I don't think can really capture is just the mangledness of Marley. Because you that cannot... He's quite literally falling apart. He's falling apart. He's wandering the earth, having to tie his body parts to himself, dragging the chains of his misdeeds. Yep. Um, the chains he forged in life, he says. Like, yeah. all these things that I'm dragging around behind me painfully through the afterlife are because I was an asshole in life. Um, and that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. So he tells Scrooge that um, he's going to be visited by three spirits. And <laughs> so here's the deal. <laughs> so um, so I'm, I don't usually talk about stuff that I'm in or plays that I'm currently in, but right now I'm doing a Christmas Carol parody, Second City's Twister Dickens. And there's this section in there that I find so funny. The guy who plays Marley, his name's Charlie Schmidt, and he's hilarious. But he, um, the whole bit is like, <clears throat> you'll be visited by three spirits. And Scrooge is like, in addition to you or including you? <laughs> 
And they have this whole breakdown about, because technically, he is visited by four spirits that's that night. That's very true. Um, and that just cracked me up. Um, like, that's wait, funny. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you if, if what you were in, if it's just parroting Christmas Carol, or does it put other Dickens tropes and such in it there. It follows the spine of Christmas Carol, but then it jumps to like Charlie Brown Christmas and it's a wonderful oh, life. Oh, so, okay, okay. You know, it's the arc of Christmas Carol. Um, now playing at the Aurora Fox. No, Although by the time this comes out, no, it's gonna, it'll probably be done. Yeah. I think we're probably going to release this Christmas Eve-ish. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see when you guys get to listen you to it. You will be visited by three podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> They're and, like, oh no. Anyways. Oh shit. So, uh, you know, Marley leaves and Scrooge is like, ah, it was fucking weird. And then the bell chimes. And here comes the ghost of Christmas past. Um, who is lovely and ethereal and is always kind of portrayed as like a white light goddess. Yes. And she takes Scrooge and um, they go and visit his past. Um, And this spirit, it's described as it was a strange figure like a child yet not so like a child as like an old man viewed through some supernatural medium which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions its hair which hung about its neck and down its back was white as if with age and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it and the tenderest bloom was on the skin so and in my mind I'm like is this like Benjamin Button spirit <laughs> yes it is <laughs> Well, I mean, that's kind of accurate. Like, if you're looking back, it's youth and age combined. Yeah. But I love that stage productions are like, Meh, it's a it's Christmas It's a pretty queen. lady. <laughs> it's a pretty lady in a white dress. Um, I, I like this. It held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand and, in singular contradiction of that wintry album, emblem, had its dress trimmed with summer flowers. So, yeah, it's this youth and age all at once in spirit form. Um, and I love the things it brings Scrooge back to. Because, you know, when you see, sometimes yeah. you don't think about people's lives, like where they've been and who was involved. You, you you look at Ebenezer Scrooge and you're like, you are an old cranky miser. And we go back to his oh, his sister. I know. And it says, I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past, inquired Scrooge. No, your past. <laughs> Which is even scarier. Yeah. So right away he knows. And yeah, the the descriptions of um, going back to that time and and immediately seeing what happens to Scrooge when he's transported into that place is written really beautifully. When you look and you're like, you loved your sister. Mm-hmm. He loved his sister. And clearly his father didn't care for him because he sent him away to school and Fan came back to go get him. Fan, little Fan is his sister. And she's like this wonderful little white light. And then um, we continue through Christmases, and she didn't live to be a mother, I believe was the way Dickens phrased it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that Fan died. That's probably one of the things that contributed to Scrooge kind of shutting himself away. And and probably wanting to turn away from Fred. He, it's probably painful for him to... I'm assuming that's Fred. Fred is her oh, son, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, yeah. I totally just then misquoted. Um, she, oh, she never lived to become a woman, I think the quote is. Oh. Um, which is Maybe weird. Did she die in childbirth? Did I miss that? That might have been it. Some she might have had him really young and died in childbirth. Um, because, yeah, that's the only way that makes sense for a nephew. I never even thought of the connection of mm-hmm. Fan and Fred Derp. Um, yeah, because that's what I was thinking was that maybe 
Because it's all the unspoken stuff with Scrooge, I feel like. I feel like if you dissect it, it's all there. The reasons for he is the way he, why he is the way he is. But he would never talk about it. And it seems like it's painful for him to be around Fred because of his sister. Yeah, so it's but easier that's to... not something he would ever admit. No, because <laughs> he hates cheer. Yeah. Yeah, well, that just makes more way more sense for somebody with some huge defense mechanisms to be like, I'm not going to say that you hurt me because you remind me of my dead sister who I loved. Rather, I just don't like parties. Right. Exactly. Man. Um, and what else do we <laughs> see from Scrooge's life? We go back to his fiancée, Belle. Oh, that scene is so upsetting. When she tells him to go away and she leaves him. Oh, and there was this little moment... Um, There's a moment where they're looking at Scrooge as a young boy. He's seeing himself as a young boy. Mm -hmm. And he has this really wistful moment. And the spirit, he he, he says, I wish, and oh, but it's too late now. And what's the matter, asks the spirit. And nothing, says Scrooge, nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given him something. That's all. So it's like he had the memory of himself when he was a poor child and he knew when just that night before there was a young boy wanting money for Christmas and he didn't do it and on the surface it looks like because he's an asshole but it's I think it's because there's a lot there's a lot of pain in Scrooge there is a lot of pain in that guy oh that's really lovely yeah Um, and he also visits the Fezziwigs party Um, oh yes the Fezziwigs are a hoot Fezziwigs are awesome Um, oh yeah and that's when he sees the scene with with Belle and his younger self is at the party. Yeah, when they're happy. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they break their engagement. Yes. So the party's just in full swing. Oh, like, man. Fezziwig's just like the best boss, like this yeah. jolly guy, and he throws parties on Christmas and gets a bunch of like fucking nuts and snacks and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Gives everybody gifts and is just a cool dude. Yeah, Dick Wilkins is there running around being Dick Wilkins. <laughs> Um, and it's just a good time. And you love that Scrooge is looking back on it fondly, even though it's extravagant and wasteful and all the things that he said to Fred that he hated, he's looking it back wistfully. <laughs> what? I, I knew I wrote this down. <laughs> At the Fezzy Wigs Ball, they're talking about how the fiddle player comes out and then everyone's going to start dancing. <laughs> a positive light appeared to issue from Fezzy Wigs' calves. <laughs> Talked about how his legs like gleamed when he was dancing. <laughs> God, Sorry, that so one really funny. got me. Oh, um, uh, but yeah, and then you, so we see this amazing party and everyone celebrating, and then it's cut to um, Scrooge in his prime of life, basically, um, with Belle, who was his fiance, and they got engaged kind of out of necessity but then he ended up he was making money and she was staying at her like poor station yeah and I don't think he ever wanted to marry for money no I just think she realized that he loved money more than her right and that she he would always be pursuing that and she would always be alone she says something to him about um the things that you care for and are and I know the color of things that you care for they're gold and she says to him, may you be happy in the life you have chosen, when she tells him she's releasing him from their engagement. You know, this speaks so highly of Belle. 
Ugh. Because what what young I mean I, I'm sorry it's a common trope of like a young yes. gold digger. Yes, like we see it in our Jane Austen novels of like oh I need to marry fifty thousand a year blah yeah. blah blah. But she's like I want to be loved. Yeah, Belle very easily could have just married him and been really provided for, and mm-hmm. but she 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 knew she wouldn't be happy that way. Yeah, that's that's really big of her. Yeah, um, that's not that's I feel like that's not something poor or lower middle class young women would have turned away from. But she's like, no, I need to be loved. Um, and that, of course, bums our boy Ebenezer out. Yes. And, and oh, and the scene that he then gets a peek in on what her life has turned out to be. Coming up for the next ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scrooge is like, spirit, spirit, scared, scared, scared. And he wakes up in his bed. Yes. Um, and he's like, oh, that was weird. Creepy. <laughs> and then it's clock chime time again. And in comes present. And I oh, love man. the ghost of Christmas present. I do too. I felt like um, in the Neil Gaiman recording, he sounded a lot like Alan Rickman when he was Christmas present. And it made me real happy. Oh, <laughs> yes, I totally. Mm. And I just love how he's often portrayed as like this big barrel-chested, red-headed giant. The illustration for that one is hysterical. Yeah, because he's in this bathrobe. <laughs> almost like a Santa coat-looking yes. bathrobe. He looks a little like a disheveled, naked, drunk Santa. Um, <laughs> but like a ginger disheveled, naked, Lots drunk of Santa. holly everywhere. He's having the best days. Like in a holly crown. And I like that too because like the present, I mean, the present, we're alive. We're, mm-hmm. We have abundance. We are in your apartment. We have a roof over our head. Like the present really is great. Because in this moment, we've got what we need. Um, and the past is sort of wistful and maybe a little melancholy. But like present's joyful. And I think the expression of this joy, this joyful ghost is also super apropos. Yeah. <laughs> I just love in that. And sorry, Mickey's Christmas Carol is a Ugh. cartoon. But when he like opens his door and it's the eye peeking in. Yes. <laughs> and he's like a giant. Uh, so present's ability, they can't time travel, but they can go see what's happening in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So they go to um, Fred's party. Oh, yeah. And oh, well, first we meet the Cratchits. Oh, yeah, that's when we meet the Cratchits. Yeah. So our boy Bob has gone home and is hanging out with his fam, and he has a nice wife, Mrs. Yeah. And way too many fucking kids. Way too many kids. Way. Which Dickens had way too many kids. <gasps> the list of Dickens. Good lord, I didn't realize he had so many kids. Well, you can't use birth control. Right. Um, he had a lot of kids. He had a lot. With great names. Yes. We'll get to those kids. But, but yeah, but the Cratchits, they've got um, Martha's Martha, the oldest daughter. Peter, Edward. There's another girl. And then like, yeah, because there's like two little ones. Other girl Cratchit. Belinda. Belinda okay, Cratchit. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tiny, tiny Tim. Tim. Um, Who's the tiniest Tim that ever tinied. He's just small and he's so and He has a lame leg, but he has a little crutch. But he's got his little crutch and he's doing his best and he's like super positive. And, and you can tell Cratchit him. like walks him around every day and it, <sighs> the imagery of that makes me, makes my heart soar and crash at once. Well, it's just, you see this father <sighs> who works his ass off long days in a cold-ass counting house for, like, the biggest asshole. Mm-hmm. And then he gets home and, like, just probably wants to go to bed. But he's like, yeah, I got to take care of my tiny son and yeah. make sure he goes out for his hobble. <laughs> oh. oh, tiny Tim. Uh. Um, and so I just like the prank they play, like, where Martha pretends she's had to work right. late. It's just <laughs> like, oh, Martha's not here for Christmas Eve. And Bob Cratchit gets so, so sad. sad. And surprise, father, and they laugh and are married. He married. loves his kids. He loves his kids. And and it it is 
it is a hundred percent the illustration of showing people who Scrooge in Scrooge's mind they have nothing because they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. But then he looks in on them and the house is boisterous and warm and full of love and she's been preparing this goose all day for their Christmas Eve dinner it's, and Bob is going on and on about how it's the best goose ever and they've they all have their Christmas Eve like their meager feast and it's just like this I'm is not gonna cry. I'm not either I swear but it's like it's the epitome of yeah you, of love without you know monetary needs it's yes. just pure love they're rich with love mm-hmm. um, and Scrooge is in this like elegant you know or expensive like room with bed curtains and shit and it's cold and dark mm-hmm. and uh, ugly and the Cratchits are having a great night and don't need anything and he also you can tell has a soft spot immediately for Tiny Tim well did you read where the inspiration for Tiny Tim came from yes his nephew Henry, who was five when he wrote when Dickens wrote Christmas Carol, and was uh, disabled and had a bum leg, so he was inspired by that kid's like positive attitude. And oh yeah, he loves him some Tiny Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we leave the Cratchits and we go to Fred's party. Yes, and Fred is just oh Fred, oh Fred, and his wife, who apparently is a real hottie, Fred's wife, yeah, <laughs> um, and her sister. Okay, yeah. And this is where my least favorite character appears. A little creep named Topper. That's my Asmar Award. Yes! Okay, you have to really be a dick to beat out Scrooge for the sexier Asmar Award, but he wins. Topper is a piece of shit. Yeah. Fucking Topper. And they kept calling the sister the plump one and how Topper's chasing her around and pretending like, oh, I can't see where I'm going. Oh, I'm going to sexually harass you. (laughs) Honk, honk. She was like, fucking hell, Fred's wife. <laughs> hey, sister, Fred's wife, who doesn't have a first name, can you just not invite me to your stupid parties? <laughs> I'm really fine. I'll stay home this I'll stay home next year. And they and, and they're they're pretty mean too with the game, the guessing game. Yes. Because they play some parlor games and they do one at Scrooge's expense. I never my whole life I thought it was Blind Man's Bluff. Apparently it's bu- Blind Man's Buff. Or did Neil Gaiman say it wrong? I don't want to say Neil Gaiman said it wrong, <laughs> just because I know he's a huge fan of this podcast. Um, um, Neil Gaiman, we're not um, making fun of you. I think it's Blind Man's Bluff. That's what I thought, too. But I could have sworn he was saying buff, which I found very confusing. Um, That's which is neither a, here nor there. Which is a game that I've never played as a child. Or as an no. a 20-something adult shit-faced at a party. <laughs> right, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, but they... Uh, at the at the start of it, there's some talk about oh your uncle Scrooge and and Fred is Fred you know is a little mocking of him but still kind like saying you know he's not he's not coming to dinner but it's the way he is oh whatever mm-hmm. um, but then later they're playing a game that seems very much like charades yes style or game no yes so is it a beast um, they just start to lump all of these unflattering things, all of these unflattering descriptions. Um, and finally they guess, it's your Uncle Scrooge. No, it is Buff. Oh, it's Buff or Bluff. Okay. Wikipedia says that it can be Buff or Bluff, and we already know that Wikipedia is words the synonyms? master. So. No. That's weird. It's Blind Man's Bluff in the Buff. <laughs> 
Fred is throwing a swingers party with his wife and everybody is naked <laughs> and his wife's sister is so sad that the only person there she can fuck is Topper. And she's yeah. like, this is the worst she's party. Like, God damn it, you guys. Can you imagine like the Kenzie and Key party? <laughs> but they all have like those giant ass like the really big giant keys and you're fishing around in like a bowl and you're like, ah, I'm going to somebody's jail cell. I don't know who's key I got. They all look alike. Oh, well, I guess we'll all have sex with Topper. <laughs> Topper time. <laughs> Topper. Topper. So Topper's a turd. Um, and I, th- I think Scrooge is actually a little bit stung yeah. by the game. Yeah, he- so Scrooge gets to overhear what they really think about him. Um, and um, just that in general, everybody's laughing. At him, not with him. Exactly. Um, which it's not like he could be that surprised. Uh, the one thing that the spirit also does that sort of puts a damper on all of the holiday joy is tell Scrooge that Tiny Tim's going to die mm-hmm. if things don't improve. Like, present may only be able to show you what's happening in the present, but has that still, like, forward knowledge of, hey, this kid is terminally ill and he can't live in this house. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what he's terminally ill with. He has weak legs. <laughs> It's probably rickets. It's rickets. And probably has asthma. Yes. Um, And dropsy. (laughs) And sciatica. (laughs) And whooping cough. (laughs) And tuberculosis. Um, The spirit informs Scrooge that Tiny Tim will die unless the course of events changes. Before disappearing, the spirit shows... Scrooge, two hideous, emaciated children named Ignorance and Want. Who Dickens was inspired to write by his visit to a uh, school for poor children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, while that's still a supernatural thing, like he's showing them that in the present there are children starving um, and people who choose to remain uh, ignorant and kind of bury their head in the sand. And those are the two things that are going to like collapse society are ignorance and want. Mm-hmm. And I can't uh, say you're too wrong. I can't say you're too wrong. Uh, and I think if you look around in 2018, we have a lot of willful, willful ignorance. Yes. And, and a lot of um, choosing to not help strangers or choosing to not help because it's not your problem or um, those are not good humanitarian ways to be. No. And also, you know, uh, there's no reason that in 2018 anybody goes hungry. Like... You, there's enough food in the world for people to eat right now. There's enough homes for people to sleep in. There's enough sleeping bags to put a person in a warm fucking down zip-up bag for the night. But mm-hmm. there are people who don't have these things. And our resources can't go everywhere. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. It, we're, we're sitting very comfortably in your house looking at your pretty Christmas tree and hanging out with your dog. It's true. And people who don't have it. And it's there's true. no reason. I think when this is over, I'm just going to take all the food out of my fridge and just like go down to Colfax and start handing it out. You want to go with me? Uh, yes. Okay, great. Awesome. Um, so we are now on to the final spirit, which is the spirit of Christmas yet to come or the future. And the spirit's creepy as fuck, let's this, be honest. Yeah, just like giant hulking. Like not speaking. Mm-mm, just Completely silent. Black shrouded sort of hooded thing. Um, kind of looks like a dementor. Yes, very much. I wonder... Has that Dementor vibe. If J.K. Rowling was inspired by Christmas Future, or or if Tolkien was inspired by Christmas Future, too, for the Black Riders. But that's me being a nerd. 
I wouldn't doubt it if she, because it's JK. Mm-hmm. It's also a really striking um, image that just sort of has grown from there. Yes. I mean, it's future always looks like this. Yes. I, yeah. I, th- I agree. I feel like um, people can kind of vary how they play out the first two, but future pretty much always needs to be this silent hooded specter. Mm-hmm. Specter is the perfect word to mm-hmm. describe that. But yeah, they come upon um, a funeral of, and, of, of a disliked man and they're discussing his death, but they're not saying who it is. And it's hard for Scrooge to see. It's dark and they can't really see. Uh, and there's workers. There's a, a laundress and a couple other mm-hmm. workers who are coming in and out of the house, like being like, oh, who wants these things? Can we sell this at auction? Like, what are we going to do with this stuff? And just being really condescending yes. and ugly about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. With no care at all whatsoever for for the person or for that person's mm-hmm. Things. And we also zip past that like pack of businessmen who are like, are you going to his funeral? Only if there's lunch. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So So with the audience or the reader, it's pretty damn clear that it's Scrooge's funeral. Yes. And I think he even pretty much knows right away, but doesn't want to admit it. And he's Mm -hmm. kind of asking the spirit like, oh, hey, whose is this? But he's not, the spirit isn't saying. Mm -mm. And he doesn't have an actual answer, but you can tell he's, he's kind of, figuring it out. Yeah, when he's seeing all these people who are uh, happy about his death mm-hmm. or, or, or emotionless, rather. Yeah. Or whatever. Or at the, yeah, at the very least emotionless. Mm-hmm. Like it's, nobody is coming to mourn him. Oh, and he asks, when he asks the spirit to show me somebody who feels emotion, mm-hmm. uh, it's somebody who's happy. It's a young couple who are like, phew, we finally have more time to put our finances in order. Yeah. Like, at, people feel nothing except one couple who are profiting by his death. Um, or at least giving a little more time to get their shit together. Um, and then when uh, he says, I just want to see any sort of connect, he says he wants to see tenderness connected with any death. And so the ghost shows him Bob Cratchit and his family, <laughs> and they're mourning the death of Tiny Tim. Because he died from his bad legs. He died from being sick with everything. <laughs> he died from being the tiniest. <laughs> Why did he die of being tiny? Being so, so tiny. He was so tiny. His tiny too, body couldn't take being tiny. I was too tiny to take in any oxygen molecules. They were too big for his lungs. Um, um, and then at that moment, he's finally allowed to see, like, the name on the neglected grave, and it's his. And yeah. He, it all becomes clear. No, no, and he screams and pledges to change his ways, and then he yes. wakes up, and he's tangled in his bedclothes. And he's like, get me out of here. No shit. And he wakes up and he's like, ah. and then and then here comes one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Which part? What day is it? Why it's Christmas Day. <laughs> I love the Turkey Boy. The, I turkey, love the boy turkey Boy. It's my favorite. So Scrooge like goes to his window and he's he's freaking out. So all the darkness is gone. It's it's bright outside. He's like, okay, great. Okay, everything's looking good. Pokes his head out the window, sees this kid down there, and he's like, hey, hey, boy, what day is it? <laughs> It's Christmas Day. <laughs> um, um, tells him to go to the shop on the corner and get. He, he says, "Oh, is that is that really big turkey still in the window?" Oh, yeah, boy, well, yes, sir, it's still there. This is what he sounds like in my head. It's accurate. Tells him to go and and buy it and bring it up to him, and he's going to tell them where to deliver it to. He gets all excited because in his mind he's going to send it to the Cratchit's house yes. and not tell them. I'm as giddy as a schoolgirl. Oh, whatever. it's so cute. It's so cute. He's like jumping on the bed and he's all yeah. happy. And it wa- it's- so if you don't believe in ghosts, it does seem like a good night's sleep did Scrooge a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> just take 
the ghost out of it. It's like he went to sleep and woke up and he's giving away turkeys and shit. Yeah, the, the, real, the real trick to this wasn't the ghost. It was the ambient. Did he... <laughs> I was going to say his sleep number bed. This was very early Ambien plus sleep number bed is what can happen to you. Give yourself the gift of of a good night's sleep oh and it'll change your life. I want. Why was that boy roaming the streets on Christmas morning? I don't know. I thought that same thing. I'm like, wait a minute, boy, why aren't you with your family or at church or whatever well, you're supposed to be doing right now? Just wandering the streets in case anybody needs you to go <laughs> fetch some fucking poultry? What? He's, he's the boy who's there to tell everybody it's Christmas Day. Oh, that's his purpose. I've got one job to do every year. <laughs> it's Christmas Day. <laughs> I love it. I love um, and so, yeah, I mean, he, he springs out of bed like it's the first day of his life. Um, and he goes... Straight away, he goes to Fred's. He says, he's, he's, I'm here for dinner. And they're like, all right, come on in. Don't even really question it. Um, Topper's there hitting on everyone. Fucking Topper. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, and I loved, I, I love the part that they talked about on his walk from his home to Fred's and how he was smiling at everybody and like looking at him them in the eye and a lot of the people in the town thought he all of a sudden had gone like totally fucking crazy but it was just so beautiful this transformation of from the the night before when he was walking with his head down and not paying attention and uh, to actually looking up and seeing the world and seeing his fellow people and I don't know it was really beautiful it's really beautifully written mm-hmm. yeah that she's made a huge change from walk home to walk out uh, and then we get to the Cratchit and they take the time to say that Tiny Tim does does not die does not die and um, I, I read that they they added that line in like Charles Dickens definitively added the line in Tiny Tim who does not die <laughs> to ensure his audience that Tiny Tim was okay. Was, he, was, he was okay. Yeah. Because he has dinner at Fred's, uh, and then the next morning, yes, yes. he plays his brilliant trick on Cratchit. Oh, and I love it. It's so <laughs> great. He's waiting. He he wants Fred, He wants Bob to be late. He wants him to be to come in so late gets, because he has this whole trick planned. Yeah, he gets into work all early on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. Correct. Um, and Cratchit, of course, rolls in like 10 minutes late. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, I'm so sorry. It was only one time a year. I'm really sorry. We, we, we made Mary yesterday. I'm really sorry. Uh, and Scrooge is just like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I am raising your salary. What? <laughs> so he's generous and Cratchit can't believe it. And it's, yep, super happy. And everybody and, has a nice um, time. As T- Tiny Tim says, God bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. everyone. <laughs> um. And, um, yeah, and we've seen somebody go through a major transformation. And, and all they had to do was be visited by ghosts. Right? Four ghosts. <laughs> four. Not just three. There were four. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, you know, because Marley says, he's like, uh, I'm stuck wandering the earth like this forever, but I can still save you. Does Marley get any bit of redemption? I would hope so. I would hope so, too. It's funny. I was telling Jess... Um, I'm obsessed with the TV show The Good Place, and uh, rightfully so. If you're not watching it, uh, get on board. It's wonderful. Um, But it was really interesting having that in my mind as I was reading this because I feel like, I mean, obviously this is, you know, hundreds of years later (laughs) or 100 plus years later, but uh, it's kind of that same similar thing of like, 
what are the things that we do to up our point total, so to speak? Like, what are the good things that we do to contribute to us being good humans? And then what are the negative things that we do that we take that take away from that quote unquote point total so that when we get to the end of our life, like, what do we have to show for it? And it's just such a case of Scrooge being shown that plain as day and just and making the choice and deciding to go, you know what, I've still got some time and I'm going to turn things around. Well, and Scrooge didn't do anything illegal in his no, career. Like, no, Like, he just isn't generous. And he still was paying Bob. It wasn't like he was, you know, not well, giving him a salary or... I mean, he was he was doing the bare minimum, but he wasn't being a generous human. Yeah, he wasn't being abusive. He wasn't, like, whipping right. Bob Cratchit. Right. But it, it was chilly. Um, yeah. You know, it, it he provided no comfort. No. Did, like you said, the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... There are a lot of people walking around the world who think that's acceptable today. Mm-hmm. And like, a lot of those people have shitloads of money. Yep. I, you know, as long as I don't, I'm not breaking the law. I don't have to give anything to you. But you're like, can't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if we're going to, if we're going to get into, you know, like, what's the meaning of Christmas? Um, and in this time of year when <laughs> we're admittingly, like, stressed beyond belief, mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of truth in that, of in those moments, uh, getting out of yourself a little and doing something kind for someone else and seeing how that can possibly turn both of your moods or lives or days around. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important lesson yeah, it's in funny, this story. The time of year when we should be most generous. Yes. Is the most time, is when we suddenly kind of close in mm-hmm. and get greedier and must get this stuff. Yes. Rather than just must have a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, ignorance and want. Ignorance and want. What's your favorite part of this book? Oh, there's so much. I just feel like so many of the descriptions in it are so great. Um, the the Fezziwig party is, is a really good time, though. Um, everything about it. it. It's like the book brightened up, like... Yeah, I, I, as I was reading it, it's like I felt the lights all turned on in the book or something. He's just he's so good at creating that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it that yeah, I think as far as like standalone parts, that section was really great. I think I like um, I think I like Fred's party. Yeah, it's just so fun and ridiculous, and it's, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny. Like you traditionally spend Christmas with family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you do your family things like the Cratchits, you're having your dinner and it's homey and wonderful, but there's also an amount of joy to having like a friend's giving or a friend's Christmas yeah. where you just are having a great time with your new family, the family you created. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. And sometimes all your, it's just your age group. Um, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that happens. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I, in general, like the descriptions of all of the homes cause I liked the description. I liked the party. I really liked that description of the Cratchit's house and then of Fred's party yeah uh okay so we know we both we both hate Topper oh Topper gets the sucks your ass bar award for sure and like I said like it you really are a dick if you can beat out Scrooge uh yeah I actually I I kind of don't hate I'm I don't hate Scrooge like I feel for him you know um I think he just made a lot of sad choices and just got 
just kept turning more and more inward as life went on, and that's how he ended up where he is. Well, I feel like, you know, his father sent him away to boarding school. The other kids weren't particularly nice to him. It sounds like he just read books all the time. Like, how lovely was that? So he was like a sort of solitary, scholarly little boy. His sister gave him a lot of love. And then when that's gone, you start to earn money, and then you get praise for earning the money. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, well, then I'm going to try to earn more. And Scrooge doesn't even seem to spend it a lot. He's no. not extravagant. It's just miserly, and he's hoarding it. Because I feel like he's. it's easy to equate praise with money. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but least favorite is definitely Topper. Oh, yeah. Um, I. he's your least favorite, too. Yeah. Oh, he's a turd. <laughs> um, I do love me some Tiny Tim. Of course. Uh, and you play Tiny Tim. I am Tim playing Tiny Tim. <laughs> it's awesome. And it's so funny and so super inappropriate. Um, but I I'll, I really do like Fred, too. Fred was my Is he your favorite. I love... I, there's something about him. I I really enjoy just kind of that attitude. Because he could very easily... He could stop asking his uncle to come over. He could mm-hmm. very easily just be like, you know what? Fuck but he he's he has this very jovial like ah oh, come on come on uncle ah come on um and you see it when when he does decide to show up and he just immediately opens his door and is like all right come right. on in you're here like um unconditional love Fred yep. is absolute unconditional love yeah and you'd like to think that maybe there's some of that that's connected to his mother Aww. aka the sister that's so sad and nice yeah no I agree though I really like Fred a lot. <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to say Turkey Boy for a second is your favorite. I mean, Turkey Boy gets a shout out for sure. I think those like third tier sort of periphery <laughs> characters. For me, it's it's Fred's wife's sister. The plump this one? Is the plump one. I love Plumpy. <laughs> um, she's great. She's great. She's great. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the women in this are, are cool. Like, they're, I mean, the most character expansion is definitely with Scrooge. Like, you don't really get they don't get too deep into but i like that what we do see of the mm-hmm. women in this book they're all pretty they're all pretty kind. individual and kind and um you know like what you said about bell like that's a big choice for that time period mm-hmm. um i feel like it seems like fred's wife is her own person everybody um, was individual dickens yeah. is really great at writing women yeah i think um i feel like the way he was writing them in the mid 1800s is that's cool. It's he's he is surprisingly level with them. Yeah, they're not like these unobtainable or distant things. He seems to, he seems to have a great deal of respect for women. Mm-hmm. I mean, even his evil ones are fully formed characters mm-hmm. and aren't just vindictive bitches. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's neat. So uh, my disc question for you. I wait. Can you do your disc question first? Because <laughs> I have two, and I'm worried that one might be yours. I don't think we'll have the okay. same at all. Okay. I you pr- want to go I first? promise. Okay. So my disc question is. Um, who would appear to you to tell you to correct a wrong? Oh, God. Like, you don't have to get specific with a wrong, or you can also skip it. Is it, it somebody but, who's already dead? Uh, no, they don't have to be dead. They, oh, they don't have they to They don't be. have to be dead. It's just in, the in for some reason, nobody's going to die. Um, who would be that person, like, pre-death Marley? Like, who would tell you to amend your ways? Uh, I, I think, um, even though we don't, see each other as often anymore I think my friend Ryan my friend Ryan Holly who was the best man in our wedding Mm -hmm. he's my friend who we've known each other for a very long time and he's one of those friends in my life who can always cut to like the 
Come on, Lauren, cut the bullshit. Cut the humbug. Cut the humbug. Um, I think he's somebody who, like, if I had complete, if I completely lost myself, he's someone who mm-hmm. could come to me and help me find my way again. How about you? Um, well, mine is, I think my biggest character flaw in the way that Scrooge is super miserly is I overcommit myself. Like, my biggest character flaw is that I do way too much and I don't schedule free time and I work these weird 12 to fucking 14 hour days with like three different jobs or projects or whatever. That's why I have to like lasso her when I want to record a pod. Yeah. She's like, hi, you're coming over. Get over here now. That's why you buy so many snacks. It's to lure you. I lure you with the gummies. Um, But I think my person would be uh, my my boss. Who is this amazing human and is constantly on the go and doing a million things. She's one of those people you're like, you can do anything. Wow. But I think that for a lot of people in 2018, we're overcommitted and so busy. Um, and I feel like she would be my Marley. Uh, Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a lot of things. No. But there are days when I'm just like, I didn't see my husband today. And right. stupid. Right. Um, so that's kind of not a, not a New Year's resolution in as much, but also it's a, this question, well, I wrote it for you, but really made me take a hard look at what's my Scroogey thing, mm. and it's time commitments. Gross. Oh, yep. Yep, yep. I think mine, um, similar to that, I, I definitely do that, but I, I have a really bad habit of um, I, I think something to death rather than just making my choice and sticking to it. Or I'll make mm-hmm. my choice... But then I'm still, my brain is still analyzing, well, what if that's not the right choice? Well, what if you did this? Um, and I, that's a personal goal of mine is to, like, when I've made the choice, that's the choice, and we're doing that thing. Well, and I think when we have these small flaws or, like, peccadillos about us, if we don't check them and we just continue as if that is normal, then I think we get to Scrooge's age and you yeah. have really destroyed something. And it's important. This is why, like... No, no man is an island is a thing. It's it's important to to have those people in your life who who check you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a demonstration of that. That even it, it doesn't have to be a romantic person. Like it doesn't necessarily matter that he didn't get married. It's that he doesn't still. There's nobody. And then the one person it seems like who was that person for him? Obviously, because he came back to him as a ghost. Mm-hmm. He died, and Scrooge just lost any sense of that so it's important to have those people in your life who like you Mm -hmm. you put each other in check yep they like totally come back in ghost form to you to fix your ways sometimes it's annoying and sometimes it's easier to be like you know what i'm just gonna be alone and do this alone but then you enter scrooge territory Mm -hmm. yeah this is almost like i guess it's kind of since this is our last episode of the year this is kind of like new year's resolution time yeah it's a good place to kind of do some self-reflection yeah Um, but I knew you wouldn't have my, my question because it's just a totally okay. random one. Um, what weird-ass British food do you want at your Christmas dinner? Because this book had a plethora of meals and terms and crazy shit that I was like, dude, the British have some weird food. Um, <laughs> they had the weirdest fucking food. Um, they had – where did I write that down? Where they? Where I texted you about how oh, I was going to so have funny. a cold bo- broiled. Yeah, they had a cold roast and then a cold boiled and they consume all of the cold roast, and then they consume all of the cold boiled. That was at the Fezziwig Ball. And I'm like, what the fuck is – what? what? A cold I, boiled? A cold boiled. But then boiled is like a verb, but so is roast. Yeah. That's why you cook the meat. It I know. It doesn't what kind of meat it is. Um. So, yeah. So, uh, what kind of uh, weird-ass British food do you want this year? I fucking love 
um, digestive biscuits. Oh. I love those so much. Um, Bickies, my friend Rita used to call them. She was from Ireland. Oh, a Bicky. Oh. Um, but I can't eat them anymore because I'm fucking gluten-free. But so the, the company makes some that aren't, that are gluten-free, but they're not like the best kind. Oh, so man. I miss, I would have those weird British digestives, which sound stupid, but are so good. No, totally get it. What would you eat? What would you be your food? I maybe would end up not liking it, but I'm really intrigued by what a legit figgy pudding is and want one. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone always talks about the pudding. Oh, the pudding. Oh, the pudding. Here comes the pudding. I watched um, the other day, just if you want to settle your brain, um, Great British Baking Show has a holiday edition on Netflix. <gasps> so they're doing like all holiday baked goods and stuff. Fuck you. Um, check it out. But um, yeah, I would I would like a traditional holiday pudding, please. <laughs> Did you ever have the Muppets Christmas album? Yes, I think I did when I was a kid. Where she's Piggy freaks out. She's like, Piggy pudding? Because <laughs> instead of Figgy pudding. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a really good, the 12 Days of Christmas, but sung by the Muppets. I love it that's so really much. That's a good one. It's so good. Oh, my God. Um, you know, we really didn't have to read this, but why is this so popular? Why does everybody have to go fucking see it or every theater do it? It's amazing to me how the most popular Christmas story um, is a ghost story is about redemption too, and is about yeah, and I and it's kind of like we were just talking about. I think um, this is a time of year where a lot of people lose themselves and lose their focus on why we're even celebrating this time of year anyway. And mm-hmm. and what I like about it is it doesn't matter if you're religious or not. This isn't a story based on um, the biblical sense of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very human story that anybody can relate to. Um, you know, I've heard some theories, uh, and this is mentioned nowhere in the novella, um, of uh, that that Scrooge was a Jewish stereotype, and oh. I disagree. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, why? Because he's a miser, exactly. quote unquote. I think, uh, uh, of course, I didn't Google any sources, um, but that's floated. That well, is was he Dickens' way of? Having, oh, I, I don't think no. Dickens intended that. Mm-mm. I think it's people reading in like usury stereotypes and that miser stereotypes, and yeah casting it as that because since it's not stated anywhere explicitly that Scrooge is Christian I think people with an agenda can cast him in the role of the villain Mm -hmm. Jewish person yeah no but uh I mean there's been you know we've talked a little bit about the other versions of it there's of course the Mickey's Christmas Carol cartoon there's been a couple of different movies um Denver Center this is the last year they're doing their production but they've been doing how long has that been going on for fucking ever yeah Um, but they might I think they're closing it down while the theater's getting renovated oh so it might come back after it skips a year but every theater company seems to do this or a version of this Mm -hmm. ranging from um if y'all are local to Denver check out the Denver Center's production it it really is is wonderful a glorious beautiful pageant but you can scale down scale down scale down and there's even a Christmas Carol radio version that I saw assigned for today oh yes oh and there's the one that um they do at Miner's Alley with Mm -hmm. Jim Hunt a small cast that um Josh Hartwell wrote that Mm -hmm. adaptation so um, you can scale it from huge to small mm-hmm. to almost just a spoken word rendition if you're doing the you radio show version. Definitely recommend listening to the Neil Gaiman. You can mm-hmm. find that for free online. Um, 
that Jess found that was really fun to listen to. Um, but this is just a perennial moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Like theater companies just do it because people flock to it in the same way they flock to the Nutcracker um, mm-hmm. at the ballet because it's tradition. But I love that it's a tr- tradition about giving and generosity. Yes. And about just bettering yourself as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to point out just a few, uh, at, like you were bringing up adaptations and such. Uh, there's the one that you mentioned, Lauren, that he got sued for. That was just pretty <laughs> much a plagiarism. Yeah. Um, the novella was adapted for the stage almost immediately. Three productions opened on fifth of February 5th, 1844. Wow. <laughs> Boom, boom, boom. That's awesome. The story's been adapted for film and television more than any of Dickens' other works. Well, that's because those other ones are really fucking long. Yeah, you can't written. Um, Did you ever see the movie Great Expectations? Because it's real bad. um, No. one with Gwyneth Paltrow and stuff? No, Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. Oh, yeah. Real bad. Um, Um, Ethan Hawke. What? Yeah, not good. That's weird. Um... In Anyways, 1901, so there was a, it was produced as Scrooge or Marley's Ghost, a silent black and white British film, which is one of the first Dickensian adaptations oh. onto film, but it's largely lost. Um, oh, yeah. And isn't there the Bill Murray movie? Scrooged. Scrooged. Yep. Um, I do not watch that in a long time. Mickey's Christmas Carol. There's Scrooge. There's the Second City Review I'm in. Like, there's so many Christmas parodies. There's like and Mrs. Fezziwig's Holiday Something. Right. And like, yet, no Simpsons. And I was telling Jess that I even found an article, hey, why hasn't The Simpsons ever done A Christmas Carol? So that's weird. Um, they did have a season where, I'll share a picture. We can share a picture on Instagram and stuff where uh, it's Burns as Scrooge, um, Ebenezer Burns. And that's pretty funny. I mean, that's just a huge but, missed opportunity. But yeah, it's really kind of hard to believe that they haven't done a full-on parody considering all of the things that they <laughs> Parody. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I feel like most TV shows have done a mm-hmm. Christmas Carol theme episode with yep. whoever their quote-unquote villain is. Um, it's just prevalent. Everybody seems to know the story. Mm-hmm. But it's so fun to go back in the novella and really find Dickens' voice again. Yes. Because we get this beautiful plot overview when we have the stage adaptations or the films. Oh, that creepy Jim Carrey, like, CGI. Oh, yeah. Oh, no thank no you. Thank I wanted nothing you. to do. I had no interest in that I whatsoever. Not a fan. Um, yeah, but I agree. I, it was really nice, especially since I had never done it before, to actually read it, read Dickens' words. And by the way, if you've never read this before and you would like to, um, it's it's public domain now. You can get it for free online. It's yeah. Project it. Gutenberg actually has a great version mm-hmm. of it with all of those great that. <laughs> I was going to say great expectations. <laughs> annotations? Annotations? No. Neither annotations, expectations, <laughs> adaptations, illustrations ah, is the word yes. I was Rolodexing there trying we go. to find. Uh, yeah. So yes, yeah, so there's lots of Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol to be found it's out there. really nice. And um, what I did, we, any, did we learn anything? You know, I think I learned a lot about myself. <laughs> I learned if you meet somebody with the name Topper, you just don't invite him to Get the hell out. Yeah. That's a stupid name. I think Topper. people's stupid names don't get to come to parties. Ugh, God. They're like, he's our one guy. He's our one married fr- unmarried friend. We have to invite him. Is your single sister coming? <laughs> yeah, fine. We'll invite <laughs> Topper. Invite Topper. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um, I think I, for this, I just learned that Charles Dickens is a lot of fun. Like, it's yeah. fun to I'm read. really, I want you to read more Dickens now. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll grab, um, for the Chris- for Christmas, Jeff and I are going up to, like, we're basically escaping. Ooh, yeah. We're going up to a tiny little cabin at a hot springs in the mountains, and we're basically, there's no Wi-Fi, and our cell phones don't work there. Oh, that's the best. So we're taking our doggos, and it has this little private hot spring. It's the 
humblest thing. It's tiny. It's like a one-room little shack. Ooh, fun. Um, How many days? We two nights. I think we're okay. going up Christmas Eve morning, and then we'll come back Boxing Day. <laughs> um, but I might maybe I'll take a Dickens with me. Maybe I'll take Great should. Expectations. Yeah, I think you should. I think I should. Yay. It's enjoyable. <sighs> and, uh, well, to, from us to all of you, as we said, you know, happy holidays. Whatever you do or don't celebrate, yep. I hope you have a relaxing and joyous time. Yeah, happy all the holidays. And this is also, last year we launched our first episode on <laughs> December 31st, right under the wire in 2017. And yeah. thanks to everybody who listened out through yeah, 2018. I know. And this will be episode 12, so we've technically done... Hey, good job, us. One, one a month. month. Hey, we pulled it off. Um, also, I know uh, we were kind of collecting stories on Facebook of... Mm. Um, Christmas Carol performance horrors, but we are running out of time, and so we might collect those for a mini-sode to yes. do in early 2019. Yes. Um, so hey, staying tight for those Christmas Carol anecdotes, because those might be coming at you early next year. Yes, and speaking of early 2019, if there is anything that you've been dying to discuss or like something that you want us to read and talk about uh please shoot it our way we would love to hear your suggestions yeah we've got um a couple books on our list but as lauren and i were trying to pick the next one they were all yeah we're honestly we're trying to find something that's not such a downer so if you particularly have something that's not so much about death and destruction as a lot of the things we choose that would be great yeah next season we'll have or next year we'll have some watership down we'll some catcher in the rye we'll have some bell jar but i'd love to start 2019 (laughs) off on a slightly more hopeful note. We're going to try to be positive a little yeah. bit. So if you remember any required reading that made you happy, I don't care if it's like an epic poem, a play, yeah. anything to start 2019 off on a positive note, tweet us, email us. We'd really appreciate a suggestion. I could probably use that. We're grumpy. <laughs> we'll stop being grumpy. Um, but in the meantime, um, stay gold, Fred. Uh, oh, stay gold, Fred's wife. <laughs> stay gold, plump sister. <laughs> oh, stay gold, plumpy. Uh, stay gold, turkey boy oh uh, stay gold all the spirits stay gold all the fucking cratchits <laughs> stay so, gold tiny tim stay gold ebenezer you old bastard oh, stay gold lauren stay gold jessica Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Thank you for listening to Required Readcast. If you enjoyed the show, head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a rating and or review. We're also available on Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at REQ Readcast. Required Readcast is produced by Sexpot Comedy. Theme music and lyrics by Max McEwen and Noah Evan Wilson. Vocals by Aaron C. Willis. Stay, Stay gold, book this has been a sex pot comedy joint collaborative community driven comedy produced by andy jewett and Kayvon von headquartered in denver colorado with technical support from isaac miller every day at sexpotcomedy.com or at a show near you until next time be well friends